Well, good morning. We're, we're glad you're here this morning. It is Thanksgiving, and I hope you take advantage as you get together with family and friends this week, uh, as you uh, observe Thanksgiving together, that maybe put away the devices a little bit, spend some time being social and, and reconnecting. It's just a great time to do that, and a great reminder uh, for all of us, truly, to uh, be able to um, reconnect with each other. You know, with family and friends that you don't get to see, spend time with very often, make that a quality time and a quality interaction. Um, it, it's funny, uh, this morning um, we were, I was in a tech meeting with a, with a group and somebody shot me a text and I'm, I was like, I'm right here, you can just talk to me, you know, it's like, but we, we get on those devices so much, so just a great reminder there. It is a special season, uh, it's the, uh, what, what does the song say, it's the most wonderful time of the year, right? As we come into the holiday season, we've got Thanksgiving, uh, this week leads us right into uh, Christmas. Uh, coming and so it's my favorite time of the year and I've already got the uh, Christmas songs amped up in my office and so uh, it's just a, a great time to be a part of God's church. Just want to remind you of a couple things. Uh, we're going to begin a, a new series next Sunday. Uh, it's going to be a new Christmas series. It's called Carols. It's going to be really awesome. There's going to be devos that actually go with the series that will carry us all the way to Christmas Day. Uh, just going to be a great time to connect. It's a great time to invite someone uh, to be a part of God's church. And what we're going to be doing in this series is looking at different Christmas songs and some of the lyrics of them and where did, they, where did it originate and, and what does it mean? And, and, and I really think God's going to uh, just, just bless our hearts in a special way this Christmas season uh, through studying His Word and looking at some of these songs that praise His name. So I invite you to be a part of that. I invite you uh, to, to bring someone with you, to, to make that invitation to someone. And I warmly welcome them to uh, the church family here at Oakwood. So uh, today we're going to be talking specifically about being grateful and thankful and joyful. And here's the deal I want you to realize, and I think you'll see it in the scripture today. I think if you you go home and and you, and you, you spend any time thinking about this today, thinking about it this week, you'll see this correlation. You'll see this connection. Because if I ask you this morning, how many of you want to be joyful, everybody's hand goes up, unless you're just being a pest, okay? Everybody's hand goes up this morning and says, oh, yes, I want to be joyful. You want to be characterized as a joyful person, right? You want to be like Ebenezer Scrooge, right? Or, you know, you want to be that guy that's always negative, you know, or you get a label like, oh, it's negative Nelly, you know? It's like no one wants to be around her because he's always negative. You want to be a joyful person. There's this correlation between being thankful and being joyful. Thankful people. And grateful people are the most joyful people. And he even talks about that through Scripture. Now, we're going to be looking at uh, just a passage today in 1 Thessalonians um, that talks about this. But it's all throughout Scripture. You see it in the, the Old Testament. You even see it in the, the New Testament more, more prominently that there's this connection between maturity in Christ and being able to be thankful and grateful in all things and that that would lead to joyfulness. But there's a key to it, and the key is Jesus Christ. So, uh, let's, let's begin with this thought this morning uh, um, and, and think about how, how this affects your heart of thanksgiving uh, this holiday season. Joy, joy is always a function of gratitude. And gratitude is always a function of perspective. Joy is always a function of gratitude. And gratitude is always a function of perspective. It's always about how you see what you see. And how you process that and seeing it through the eyes and with the help of Jesus Christ makes all the difference in the world. Let's let's open the scripture uh, together this morning. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. You brought your Bible this morning. Please turn to it. If you didn't bring your Bible, grab that one in front of you or maybe it's behind you. And if you turn that to page 988, 
You'll be right there where we need to be. And as always, you're encouraged to get on your phone, get on your tablet, uh, download the Oakwood app. There's a place on there for sermon notes and all the scriptures and all the notes uh, are going to be there for you this morning as we read this section of scripture together. So uh, this, this part of Thessalonians chapter 5 is the last part of the first letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the, to the church in Thessalonica. And as he does in so many of his letters, when he gets kind of to the end, he kind of does a series of summary statements. And what he's doing is he's encouraging believers to live out their faith in Jesus Christ. It's like if you're going to be a Christ follower, if you're going to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus, then this is what you need to do. And a lot of times he uses these little, you know, two or three word statements, these little phrases that's kind of summarizing what he's been talking about in the whole letter. And it's no different here in, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 as we begin with verse 12 where my subheading says the final instructions in the benediction of this first letter he's writing to these Christians in Thessalonica. And it says this. We ask you, brothers, and the brothers there is like brothers and sisters in the Lord. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. It's talking about elders and, and ministers there. And then it says, be at peace among yourselves within the church, within the body of believers. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, Help the weak and be patient with them all. There in verse 14, he says, I urge you, brothers, to admonish the idle. It's talking about those that would be within the body of Christ that would say, hey, I'm a Christian, I'm a believer, but you would see no fruit on my tree that would make you expect that. I'm a Christian, I'm a believer, but I'm idle. I don't win people to Jesus Christ. No, that's what we pay the pastors to do. You know, the Great Commission was actually for them. I just follow what they're leading and what they do. And so it's those people that are idle, that that aren't winning people to Christ. They're not sharing their faith. They're not an example to the community of what a a changed life in Jesus Christ is is like. They're they're not necessarily growing. They're just idle. I think that we could all admit that we've maybe gone through that phase. And maybe some of you, if you're being honest this morning and wanted to be really honest, you're like, I'm in that phase now. And it says here that we're, and the brothers in the, in the church, as, as the believers, that we're called to admonish. That would be to, uh, to say it in a positive way, uh, it would be to not, you know, to scold somebody, but to admonish them would be to call them to repentance, to, to ask them to go God's direction, to become active. And so he says there to admonish thou, to encourage the faint-hearted. Maybe they've just been through a tragedy. Maybe they've lost a loved one. Maybe they're, they're coming in or out of a season where they've struggled. It, it's relationships. It's, they made a mess of their life because of sins they've committed. Um, the, you know, it, whatever it is, it's, they're faint-hearted. They, they've just, they, they're just really, really struggling there. And, and, it, and it says there that, that we are to um, encourage them. Encourage them. Not to discourage them and, and pour heaping coals on their head, but we're to encourage them to continue to walk that walk with Jesus Christ. And then the next phrase there, it says, is to help the weak. Some, some people are just weak. They're weak in the faith. They've, they've been through so much. They just come in. They feel like they're battle-scarred from the world. It says we're supposed to help those people. But then at the end, he says, but be patient with them all. Be patient with the idle ones. Be patient with those who are faint-hearted. Be patient with the weak. Be patient with all those that were, again, moving toward Jesus Christ. Verse 15, it says, see that no one repays anyone evil for evil. But always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. To one another means within the body of Jesus Christ. And to everyone means to everyone in the world. So we're not going to repay evil for evil. But we're going to return 
against evil with good. And we're going to do it to one another in the church. And we're also going to do it to the entire world. And then we get to verse 16. And he says this. Rejoice always. And he doesn't give any conditions there. Rejoice, just rejoice always. Pray without ceasing is verse 17. Pray all the time. Pray constant communication with God all the time. Constant communication. Verse 18. Give thanks in what circumstances does it say there, church? Give, give thanks in all, all circumstances. Really, all circumstances? Because my circumstances aren't very good right now. Give, give and be thankful in all circumstances. Why? Read the rest of verse 18. It says, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. What's God's plan? What's the will of God? I want to know what God's will is. What is it? It is that you would rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And we're going to drill down on that and, and hone in on that in, in, in just a few minutes. Now, as you think about this, and we think about this heart that is grateful, that is thankful, that will lead to us being joyful, uh, some of that is really easy to attain. And that's the first thing I wanted to, to talk about this morning is sometimes it's really easy to attain because it's easy for us to be thankful for getting what we want. That's where it begins, right? Is, is, you know, if you want to just be baseline, basic, you know, thankfulness is we are thankful for getting what we want. There's no maturity. It doesn't take maturity to be thankful for what you want. It's just not like a, it's a growth issue in the Christian walk if you would get what you want. And so it says, it says that we should be thankful for getting what we want. This is something that is easy in life, you know. We, we live this out every day in the American life, right? It's so easy because, we, you know, whatever, we, we're just thankful for what we want. Now, we live in this culture, and we have to admit that this culture that we live in is this culture that says, I want what I want, and I want it when? Now. I want what I want, and I want it now. You know, it's called Amazon.com, right? And did you know that if you live in a big city, they'll deliver it to you in six hours. So, like, if we were, like, you know, in Dallas right now, you could be ordering it here in church. You'll be here by 4 or 5 o'clock today. You'd have your, your whatever you ordered, you know, and you can order anything on there. And so it's like, I want what I want, and, and I want it now. And it's easy to be thankful for that, right? It's easy that, that you, you, you wanted this relationship with this friend, and, 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 you, and you introduce yourself, and you start this, this great friendship. It, it's sometimes easy in a, in a relationship with the, with the opposite sex. It's like, oh, I've always wanted this, and, and they come in. And so it's easy to be thankful for all those things you want. I wanted that, that, that job to get a raise for next year. Or I, I wanted to be, you know, to grow in this company and to, to get into a new higher position in the company. And that comes, it's, it's easy to be grateful and to be thankful for those things. But if we are only thankful for getting what we want, we could almost certainly develop a few negative things in life. These negative things tend to center around this me agenda because it's me, it's what I want when I want it. And the me agenda looks like this. We might develop an entitlement in mentality, an entitlement mentality like I deserve this, right? Right, they, we've struggled with this forever. Go, go, turn in your Bibles to Genesis, book of Genesis, very beginning of the Bible, first book of the Bible, Gen Genesis chapter three. In Genesis chapter three, verses four and five, you see this right at the very beginning. Two people, right, Adam and Eve, and the serpent comes to them, 
And God is, in the, in the verses prior to verse 4, God has told them to not eat of this tree. That there would be judgment. And, and God had actually said there would no, no, not only be judgment, he said that you will surely die. And then this tempter, the serpent, that we know as Satan, Lucifer, the devil, comes to tempt them and, and he says to them, are you sure? Did God really say that? And look at what it says here in verse 4. It says, but the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. If you eat of this fruit, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. Entitlement. You'll be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, it was good-looking fruit on the tree, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, to be like God, you shouldn't be like God. She took of its fruit and ate it, and she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate the fruit. Entitlement mentality struggle with this as Americans and being in a country and a society that is so affluent. We really struggle with it. The fact that we feel like we are somehow entitled to something, that, that God should, should give us that. Sometimes it's because of our long history and life of success. We've had success and we have achieved what we wanted to achieve. And so we have this entitlement mentality that I deserve to be treated this way. I deserve to be to be at this spot at the head of the table and not the foot. I deserve to, to live in this type of house and I deserve to have life in these type of circumstances. It's a struggle. And that's what happens when you're thankful only for what you want in life. But there's another level too. It says that sometimes we get of a forgetful spirit. Uh, look what happens to the nation of Israel. If, if you're there in Genesis, turn over to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. So Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, it, it's amazing here how the Israelites have been rescued out of Egypt. That's what the whole book of Exodus is about. They've been promised a land that's going to be a good land, a land flowing with milk and honey. That they are going to go into land, they're going to have success there, God's going to take care of them, God's going to provide everything that they need, and yet, would they forget all that God has done for them? Surely not, right? Surely not. They've had so much that God has done for them. Let's look at verse 10, Deuteronomy 6, verse 10. It says, And when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to give you, now listen to what God's done here, listen to what he provides for them, with great and good cities that you did not build, with houses full of all good things that you did not fill, with cisterns, where are you going to draw water from, with cisterns that you did not dig, and with vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant. And when you eat and are full, I love what verse 12 says, it says, then take care lest you forget the Lord. He brought you out of the land of Egypt. He delivered you out of the house of slavery. He saved you. And yet there's a warning here to not forget. And what's amazing about this is it's not only here. Two chapters later, just turn over a page, two chapters later, in chapter 8 of Deuteronomy. What does it say here? Verse 11. 
Take care, lest you forget the Lord, your God. How are we going to forget Him here? It's by not keeping His commandments, His rules, His statutes, which I have commanded you. Verse 14, then your heart will be lifted up, and you forget the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Skip down to verse 18. It says, you shall, what? You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is this day. Look in the next verse, verse 19. And if you forget the Lord your God and go after other gods and serve them and worship them, I solemnly warn you today that you shall, sur- that you shall surely perish. Can you believe that? A forgetful spirit after all God's done for them. And guess what, folks? We could spend the rest of the time with the sermon today just going through the book of Deuteronomy and seeing how many times they tell the nation of Israel to not forget what the Lord has done for them. And I think we do the same thing. We forget. And that's why at Thanksgiving, it's a great time to remember. It's a great time to look back at your life and, and to think, gosh, I, man, I remember when this happened. I, I, I got so many stories in, in my life of how God uh, just took care of things. Uh, my parents were self-employed when, when I was a, a child, and they didn't have health insurance. And I guess that was a thing back in the 80s. You know, not everybody had health insurance. There wasn't a law saying you had to have health insurance. But they had actually had a salesman come to the house and try to sell them health insurance. And so they thought, well, this is a good idea. The kids are getting older. You know, I was about nine years old. They literally bought insurance in May. It was going to go into effect midnight June 1st. So like at 12.01 on June 1st, that insurance was going to go into effect, okay? On June 1st, that afternoon, I was riding my bicycle in the meadows, if you know where the meadows are, and I had a little bicycle wreck, and I broke my femur, which put me in the hospital for 34 days in traction. I got out July 4th, then I bled through my cast. Had to recast it the next day and kind of stitch me up a little bit better. Do you see what the Lord has done there? And it's like, that was so many years ago. That was like so, you know, 1983 and 84. But you think back and you're just like, wow. Well, I mean, God had to orchestrate that. That wasn't dumb luck, you know. I mean, God, man, we think back to all the times that he's provided. All the times he's been there for us. And we forget. And I know a lot of times I read scripture, I'm like, yeah, okay, we forget, okay? But look what God did. I mean, parting, you know, the Red Sea. I mean, these people saw miracles. They saw miraculous things happen. I mean, these are big things, not little things. And so how dare they? I mean, they were slaves, and they're going to deliver, and God delivers them. He gives them a promised land, and he's going to let them go into the promised land. And all these things that, ah, if you start to think about it, you might start to wrestle with it yourself truly maybe you're not thankful and grateful for getting what you want because you have a forgetful spirit you get used to being so blessed you just get used to it you take it for granted the third thing that happens when we are thankful only for what we want is we get a discontented heart do you remember as they were on their way uh, to the promised land uh, they had to take a little detour because of some sin yeah, they, they, they kind of came against God again, and he sends them on a detour. And so they're out in what they call the wilderness, believed to be the desert area. And as they're wandering in the wilderness desert area, uh, there's no food. They're complaining, man, we're hungry. And God provides a miracle called manna. 
You, do you remember this story? There's, there's manna. And every morning when they get up, there's manna on the ground. Now, they didn't know, really know what manna was. It was a miraculous food from heaven. It was fresh every morning. They would gather it. It would be like dew on the ground. It tasted sweet. It was A lot of scholars believe it was like a, a sweet cake, like uh, Hawaiian rolls, you know. I mean, they had Hawaiian rolls every day, fresh on the ground. You know, it tasted, you know, so good to them. And they would gather it every day. They didn't need to keep it overnight. It would spoil overnight, but every morning God would provide it again. And you think, wow, yeah, that's, that's really awesome. They didn't know what manna was. And if you say manna, like it's a word from Hebrew, manna means what is it? Because they didn't know what it was. So they called it, what is it? You know, so it's like, hey, do you want some what is it? Yeah, dude, I love this what is it. You know, it's manna. Okay, so yeah, a little, little uh, Bible trivia for you there. But what happens after a while, God's been providing for them. This is like their life. This is like their, their substance to, to make it. And they start complaining about it. They start complaining about it so much, about God's provision of the manna, they actually start to say things like, man, we ate, you know, we ate some different kind of food back in Egypt. Maybe we should go back and be slaves to Pharaoh because, you know, we were, we, maybe we were better off because we had a, a wide variety of food then. And I'm just like, really? Really? They're just discontented. They just couldn't find contentment in anything. Apostle Paul Thinking if anybody could be discontent in life, the Apostle Paul, he's whipped, he's beaten, he's shipwrecked. I mean, it's like, God, this is like one of the biggest voices for you in history. And, and, and it's like he suffers all of these things that keep happening to him. But listen to what he says in, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 12. This is what the Apostle Paul says. He says that, he says that I know what it is to be in need. And I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or living in want. Let that sink in for a minute. It didn't matter what the circumstances were. That he learned how to be content in every situation. Now, the verse that follows Philippians 4.12 is Philippians 4.13. Probably many of you have that one memorized, right? Because Philippians 4.13 says, I can do... All things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, let's sandwich these two thoughts together, put them in context of the word. So the verse before Philippians 4.13 says this, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in what, because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can live through anything through Christ who strengthens me. I can have a healthy perspective on life. I can find contentment in any circumstance because I have Jesus Christ. And that's something to be thankful and grateful for. And when you do that, it's amazing how it just changes your countenance. It changes your, your mindset. It changes your life. It changes your heart. And it makes you a joyful person because of Christ Jesus. Now let's go back to our passage, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Because we have to pay attention to what Paul gives us here in 16 and 17 and 18. Because this is the next level of thankfulness. This is the joy that will never be stolen in your life. This is God's will for you. And that would be that you'd be thankful for getting what you don't want. That's the next level. Thankful for getting what we don't want. I didn't desire that. 
I didn't want to get in those circumstances. I didn't want that to happen to me. I, man, I sure didn't want to contract that. I didn't want to have to go through that hardship. I didn't want to have to go through that accident. I didn't want to have to go through that financial strain. But the next level, the Christian level, the level of a true disciple and follower of Jesus Christ is that we would be thankful for getting what we don't want. Let's look at our scripture. 16, rejoice always. When? Always. Well, what if always? Rejoice always. Why? Because of Jesus. Verse 17, pray without ceasing. Constant communication with God. Yeah, you could cry out to him. Yes, in your time of need and desperation, when you feel like you're at the end of the rope, you feel like you're, you're going to go crazy, you cry out to him. Yes, pray without ceasing. Because Jesus has become our high priest. Because Jesus is the one interceding for us. So it goes back to Jesus again, and then we get to verse 18. The first part of that talks, talks about the thankfulness is all-inclusive. Thankfulness is all-inclusive. What does it say there? It says to be thankful, to give thanks in all circumstances not just in some not just in the good ones not in the ones i just like no because then we're back to thankful for getting what we want but now we're going to be thankful for getting what we don't want because of christ jesus thankfulness is all inclusive the other thing is thankfulness is a command he just says it give thanks he says pray without ceasing he says rejoice always these are these are commands these aren't options these are this is what you'll do because you love jesus and because you have jesus Thankfulness is all-inclusive. Thankfulness is a command. Give thanks. The third thing, thankfulness is God's will for us. So many people ask that. What is God's will? I just want to know God's will. It says right there. For this is the will of God for you. This is the will of God for you. Is that you would rejoice always and pray without ceasing and give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God for you. But don't stop there. Thankfulness is accomplished only one way through our connection with Jesus Christ. Only through our connection with Christ. Because how does verse 18 end? It says, the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. It's only accomplished in Christ Jesus. That's how you do it, though. You want to know how you do it. That's, that's the way that you do it. So thankfulness is all-inclusive. It is a command. It is God's will for us. It is accomplished only through our connection with Jesus Christ. How? How does that happen? How can people go through, through things medically? How can they go through financial hardships? How can they go through a horrible accident and, and someone gets injured and, and is changed for life? How do they go through these relational strains and marriages on the rock and teenagers that are going crazy? How do they get through it all? And how do they keep some kind of smile on their face and have some kind of joyful countenance and not just be the one that's negative Nelly all the time? How do they do it? It's only in Christ Jesus. And Christ says that he's sufficient for everything that we need in life and godliness. Everything that you need in life is provided in him. He's not only the only way. He's the one that's going to provide everything. And all you do is you have a relationship with him. And he not just become your savior, but he becomes your Lord, your master. And you do what the master says to do. And you live your life for when you do that, the Apostle Paul would tell you, it doesn't matter if you're shipwrecked. It doesn't matter if people run you out of town. It doesn't matter if people try to stone you to death. It doesn't, it doesn't matter if you go through financial struggles. It doesn't matter if you're hungry. 
It doesn't matter if you have a ton of food. You come. Paul says, the secret to contentment, and I've learned it in every situation, is I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But it's only through Christ who strengthens me. So if you're out there and you're like, well, I'm going to do it on my own. No, you're not. How's that working for you? No, it's not working. Because you are only able to be grateful, thankful, and joyful in Christ and if you're not feeling that this morning, I just want to tell you what the remedy is. The remedy is you got to get closer to God. you got to surrender your heart and your life to Jesus Christ. That's the only answer. So let's end where we began today. Joy is always a function of gratitude. And gratitude is a function of perspective. How do you change your perspective? Gratefulness is not getting what you want all the time. Gratefulness is through getting what you don't want that you would actually be able to trust the Lord even more. And it's because God loves you and he sent Jesus as a sacrifice for you. And we sang a song earlier. Nothing else. You don't need anything else. You really don't. You really don't need anything else because if you are in Christ this morning and you walk out of here and you get hit by a semi-truck and you die... You go to heaven to be with him forever. Sounds like a win to me. But while you're in this world, Jesus says you will have trouble. You will. Not going to love it here. Wants to keep us longing for eternal life where it is perfect someday. Where there are no more tears and no more pain and no more sorrow. In this world, he says you will have trouble. But then Jesus follows that up with, but take heart. Take heart. Some of you are going to have a rough Thanksgiving because someone in your family isn't around the table this year. Take heart. Jesus says, I have overcome the world. Let's pray. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for the love that is only found in the God of the universe, the God that loves us and through Jesus Christ, your son. God, you're so awesome because of your great and deep and passionate love for us, Lord. It's something that we we stand in awe of because we don't understand it. While we were yet sinners, while we were sinning against you, that's when you sent Jesus. That's when Christ died for us. And we thank you for that. God, there's going to be some of us that if we're being honest this morning, we're not grateful, we're not thankful. We're certainly not joyful people. But I pray you give us that godly perspective to know the answer is in a close relationship with Jesus Christ, a close relationship with your son where we accept him as our Savior, the one who saved us, and as our Lord, our master, the one who is now the boss over our life. He's the Lord over our life, and we live for him. And it doesn't matter what this world throws at us. It doesn't matter what Satan throws at us, because in Jesus, we can do your will. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. It's in you alone. And God, as we stand together, as we sing this song in just a moment, I pray anyone that has a question, anybody that needs prayer, anybody that, that wants to have that relationship with you and wants to know what that next step is for them, 
God, I pray they come to the decision room, meet with our elders, our decision guides. God, do your work in us. Continue to put it on the forefront of our minds. In this moment, very heavy, Lord, but even this week, Lord, that we could be a people that reflect you because we are grateful, thankful, and joyful. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand? Let's sing together this morning.